Hello, and welcome to All Things Marketing and Education. My name is Ilana Leone, and I've devoted my career to helping education brands build their brand awareness and engagement. Each week, I sit down with educators, edtech entrepreneurs, and experts in educational marketing and community building. All of them will share their successes and failures using social media, inbound marketing or content marketing, and community building. I'm excited to guide you on your journey to transform your marketing efforts into something that provides consistent value and ultimately improves the lives of your audience. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of All Things Marketing and Education. This week I am sitting down with my friend and he doesn't want to be called an educator, but I call him an educator, <laughs> Kyle Calderwood. Um, today we're going to be talking about all things unconference. If you don't know what that is, stick around. We'll talk to you about that. We'll be talking about how to own your own professional development as educators. And if you are an ed tech professional listening, it's also about how you can help support professional development and what role does professional development play alongside your product or service. And then we're going to be talking about gaming game-based learning. So a little bit about Kyle. Kyle is the technology coordinator at Tabernacle School District in New Jersey. He is a Google certified educator. He is a Microsoft innovative educator expert. Whoa, lots of stuff here. <laughs> and, a, and a Minecraft global mentor. He is a gamer. And in fact, he's coming in alive. We will be sharing some of the video clips of this podcast. Um, but he is in, what is this where you're at? A gaming? The eSports lab. The eSports lab. So he's got mm -hmm. very fancy chairs and yeah. <laughs> a lot more fancy things than me, <laughs> let's just say. Um, so Kyle, because he's a gamer, we're going to be talking about game-based learning and what he's been doing. Um, he enjoys working with teachers across the country on how to integrate gaming in their classroom. He's presented at ISTE, FETC, TCEA. Let's throw in some more acronyms. Right. <laughs> EdCamps, TeachMeets, um, as well as BET in London. Yeah. I remember when you were going to that. Um, and last but not least, he's also an adjunct faculty member at Stockton University. And I've had the pleasure of zooming in to a couple of his classes that he was teaching them how to tweet and then just teaching him how to be like, I don't know, what would you how call to, it? How to get them ready for the job market. Yeah, I was like, how to be a human, but that wasn't it. <laughs> <laughs> like, how to, how to get them ready for the interview process. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. So, I know Kyle, you can tell we're pretty informal. I've known Kyle from way back in the day. Um, yeah. Kyle was my first ever co-presenter at ISTE. Mm -hmm. Back in, do you know what year that was? <laughs> that probably was 13, maybe? Yeah. 14. I wasn't 14, wow, well, so that was close. 2014, I wouldn't have known. I'd be like 2010. <laughs> Um, but 2014, and we taught a bunch of people how to use Twitter, and that was really fun. And I don't, I think you you saved me from that presentation. Like, yeah, like my you cancel or something. Yeah, or somebody something canceled on me, and I I think I might have put it out on Twitter. Who can yeah. <laughs> who can help me? That was the power of that back then. We're like, hey, I'll jump in, sure. And you just jumped in, and you really didn't know me that well, and that was so cool. And look and, where we are now. Look where we're at. We still keep in touch. We still help with your classes. We still do some things together, try to collaborate, and I'm excited for this. Um, but then I went on Twitter. I'm like, well, I know we presented in 2014. When was it when we actually like met 
or something mm -hmm. and meet like in the virtual world. Yeah. And 2012 was your first tweet to me. Oh, wow. Okay. And you asked me for an Amazon Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably uh, begging for a sponsor for my conference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were. <laughs> you said Edutopia is already sponsoring, but can you also give me a Kindle? And I was uh, like, that's a that's a nice first tweet. Yeah, but then it ended. It start. We just kept in touch since then. So, <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you, Kyle, for being on the show today. Again, we're going to be talking about all things unconference. What is it? How do you find them? How to own and direct your own professional development as educators. And uh, we had uh, Lisa Schmucky on as a guest, is the founder of EdWeb, and she says she actually doesn't like the term professional development. She calls it professional learning. So yeah. whatever you want to call it. Um, and game-based learning. So welcome, Kyle. So excited to have you on the show. Yes, thank you very much for having me. Um, it's, you know, it's funny that you bring it up about Twitter because you know the, the connections that have come in the past decade now, which is crazy to say, but um, you know everything that has come from that has been such a, an amazing experience for me, um, both professionally and personally. And some of the people that I've met, I still, uh, you know, obviously you're one of but you know, all those people I still keep in touch with and Sue Bearden and all those people that I've met years and years ago, you know, we still keep in touch and, and those um, connections have fostered some great uh, opportunities for me. And, uh, you know, those connections are just so important. That's kind of what I wanted to bring into that class that you joined. You know, I wanted to show the power of Twitter and what those connections can mean to you professionally. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember, God, I don't remember what, what semester it was or what year it was, but one of my students was, uh, he was in the army and he was, uh, you know, he wasn't doing a tour at the time. Um, he, we talked about LinkedIn and, you know, he had never really heard of it, but he signed up on LinkedIn. Uh, that was one of the assignments we did. And then the next day he got a message from one of his former, I guess, commander um, offering him a job in Afghanistan as like a out, as a contractor, you know, to, to go drive or do whatever. So I mean, it was just that fast, you know, the connections. And that's what I was trying to, to tell them. And I also had a, a kid, this was one of the first semesters I taught and I stood up there and I said, you know, we're going to use Twitter. It's mandatory. And <laughs> out of the back, I hear, are you kidding me? And he was so adamant about not doing it. And now he is, I believe, the, the CEO of his own company. Um, and does intense marketing through social media, and I just messaged him through Twitter or through uh, LinkedIn one day, and I'm like, "See," and I, you know, I just jokingly, and he goes, "I know, I just didn't get it back then." He's like, "It's, it was, you know, I'm so thankful for that." So, yeah, Sometimes you need like a little push, you know, a little yeah. prod. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it is important. important. Yeah. Yeah, it's important despite all the stereotypes around it too. And yeah. we make assumptions, I think, of certain generations knowing how to use social media. Yeah. But when we say social media, we say, how do we use it professionally? How do we use it to professionally develop to create those connections in education? Yeah, I went to, so I used to work at Stockton University full-time um, in the computer services department. And I got an email about a conference that I'd never heard of, it's called ISTE. International Society for Technology and Education, for those who don't know. And it was in Philly, and I, this was 2011. I wasn't really sure where my direction was going at that time. And so I went and just kind of explored and the uh, opened up my eyes to not only using uh, Twitter, because I, I, like, I understood what Twitter was, obviously, at the time. It was kind of new-ish, um, but just the power of it and actually seeing 
I'm like, why are all these teachers like on Twitter and what are they doing? And they were all sharing at the time, you know, everybody was in a, in a session and tweeting out everything that they were learning at that time so that those who couldn't be there were, were still learning as well. Um, so I think those those things are very important and you know, we still continue with that. I think the Twitter sphere has has changed drastically over the past decade, but um, you know, I, th I still think it's a valuable tool. Yeah. I mean, this is what I do, so yeah. I definitely see value in making sure that everyone in education has an ecosystem where they can talk authentically to one another and yeah. create some relationships, hopefully. So I'd love to hear this story because, you know, you being an educator, even though right before you said, I'm not an educator, Lana, but you, you're you're just not in the classroom. I'm not a yeah, full-time teacher, correct. In a traditional sense, right? But you know, think about Kyle circa graduating high school. Yeah. Like, you know, what what drew you to education? What you drew you to the field? Was it something like you had parents or you always knew you wanted to be a teacher? And then what keeps you in the field still? Uh, well, it was funny enough. I went to when I graduated high school and you know, I went into college not really knowing what I wanted to do. And I'm sure a lot of us did. Um, and actually, I wound up being a communications major because um, actually I wanted to go into film. So I loved video editing. That was like my thing from high school that I carried over. And back then, you know, the, the phones and everything weren't there. So to be successful, you were either in New York or you're in L.A. So um, living in South Jersey, it wasn't really for me. It wasn't, you know, the mecca of uh, filmmaking there. So uh, as you know, I graduated and then you know, it was either marketing or what did I want to do? And I wasn't sure. So um, I, I actually went back to the college that I graduated from and started working there. And while I was working there, it was a great opportunity. I could go get my master's degree. So and I could do it for free because I was an employee. So I was like, hey, why not? Um, and that's when I chose instructional technology. So, um, you know, I, I, I have a strong technical background. So that's why I went to through the technology route. Um, but education really wasn't on my radar until I went to ISTE, believe it or not. So that's when wow. it, it, it did open up my eyes and say, you know, I would love to work with teachers and do this. And when I was at the college, I did work with faculty and I worked with the, the older students, obviously. Um, but I loved working with faculty. I loved going in and helping them. And yeah, we always went in and fixed things, but being able to sit down with them and show them new things and, and work with them and find alternatives for them to to teach their lessons. That was actually pretty exciting to me. And then towards the end of my uh, time there, I was actually kind of unofficially appointed to be the um, department of their, their education departments, kind of like tech. So every time they had something, it was me that was going up there. So I, I really formed a relationship with educators there too. Um, and then meeting the students who were going to become teachers and working with them. and. It, was, it really all happened there. Um, but I would say that the turning point for me definitely was that first ISTE. Yeah. And now that's 2011. And yeah. yeah. So uh, I worked uh, in computer services for another year and a half. And then, um, and funny enough, on Twitter, I saw a job posting for a school as a technology coordinator. So I'm like, eh, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And that was it. I mean, I had an interview and I was pushed right through and, and and I was in charge of a school. So um, it was a K-6 school. 
And it was good because it was a really good learning experience because it was a small school. We had about 300 and some students. So it was, you know, it was very manageable for me because I was the only tech there. So it was just me. Um, learned, learned a ton there. And then um, learned of this job that I'm in now and, and kind of moved on after seven and a half years at the other school. I came here. So I've been here about two years now and just, just passed my two year mark. So, um, and now this is a bigger district. So now I have both an elementary and middle school. Um, to, to be in charge of. So it's a, it's a different realm, but I like it. You know, it's different challenges. So with all this time in education, yeah. what keeps you going in education? What keeps you saying, this is, this is my jam. This is my spot. <laughs> Every day is something new. Let me tell you, um, never walk in the doors and get the same thing over. Uh, it's just, you know, with what the kids are doing and what the teachers are doing and what's going on in the area and, and what's changing in, in education alone uh, all the time. It's just there is something new every day. So it's not like that nine to five, you go in, you grind, you sit at a desk in a cubicle somewhere and just stare at a screen. You know, it's it's something new every day. It's the relationships that you form and um, it's been great. And, you know, I'm sitting here in this esports lab that I helped design and it's something that I'm very proud of uh, to bring to this school. and. We started last year and in our first season, we actually went to state finals. So, I mean, it's been a pretty awesome experience um, for these kids. And wow. And again, you know, you get that, exp I, I, I'm not directly involved anymore, but to be able to sit back and hear the stories from the coach, um, you know, of, of some of the kids that wouldn't have had an opportunity to kind of be in this grouping or, or a community like this, if it wasn't for this. Um, so that, that was exciting for me. Yeah. Um, so let's jump into some of the things we were going to talk about. Um, I know with you, we could talk about esports. We could be talking about luck. But in in terms of unconferences, yeah. uh, many people might have heard the term by this mm -hmm. point. Um, but we also have some you know ed tech professionals that join this audience and maybe even newer to the field. So can you just talk about like what is an unconference and why is it different from a traditional conference? So. We all, it goes back again to that ISTE of 2011. I sat down and had a conversation with someone that I saw on Twitter and uh, Mr. Will King. And, um, you know, we kind of, I was like, hey, I follow you. And he was like, hey, I follow you. So we kind of talked and he told me about uh, Teach Me Kentucky, which he ran. And I was like, never heard of it before. So we kind of talked and he told me what it was and essentially what an unconference is. And I know. Um, between teach meets and ed camps, there there are slight differences, but essentially is, you know, that a um, the schedule is made up based on the participants are the presenters. Uh, nobody from the outside generally is brought in to be a sage on the stage. It's really just teachers that are doing something right now in the classroom, sharing what they're doing, and I think that's pretty powerful because you're not sitting there, you're not sitting through some sort of sales pitch. Um, it's really, here's what I use in my classroom. It's effective and, and this is what I do. Um, so I think that's important for other teachers to hear um, that are thinking of doing something new and, and trying out something new. And maybe if they're not comfortable with it, um, the nice thing about the teach meets is each session is here in the US anyway, is 20 minutes long. So you, it's kind of, uh, I call it educational speed dating. So you kind of, you jump in, you get a little bit of what you want, and then you're, you're off to the next session. And, you know, by the end of the day, you have 
15, 20, 30 new ideas and you kind of get an idea of what it is. And then if you want more, you kind of uh, follow up with that. But mm-hmm. And I, I love about like the unconference part. Sorry to jump in. Just no, 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 no. Yeah. You know, I love it. <laughs> um, and for our audience's context, uh, I, I helped with a lot of the ed camps over on the West mm-hmm. Coast. So helped yeah. um, design and implement a lot of the the ed camps that happened, the bigger ed camps that happened in the beginning of the day yeah. at Camp OCLA, at Camp LA, at Camp SF Bay. I love them because, like you said, it's not about the presenter. It's not Sage on the stage. It's right. everyone is equal. Everyone is learning passionately. And I don't know if they do this as much on Teach Meets, but in ed camps, like we really do encourage that if you're not getting your needs met, you know, go to oh, the, yeah. go to the, like we call it the, the, the law of two feet. Yeah, I was like, why can't I talk? <laughs> the world, world. <laughs> but yes, the law of two feet. And if you have somebody say you're in a robotic session and you are interested in like they're all, well, I use it for my special education class. Yeah. You, it's perfectly okay for you to start a side conversation with that person yeah. and start working out details. Like, yeah. like I'm just, I guess, a little ADD where I'm in conferences. I'm like, but I want to ask a question. How did you do that? Can we collaborate? <laughs> Yeah, I always encourage people to just just stop me in the middle of the conversation. You know, we need to have that conversation. I think it's important to answer those kinds of questions. And um, I know from a conference organizer, and maybe you can chime in on this as well. Like, ed camps give me make me very anxious as an organizer because you don't know that morning. Oh my God, am I going to fill all the slots? Uh, are we going to have enough people? That kind of stuff. So, with Teach Me, it's it's very. Uh, it's a little different um, here in the U.S. They do it differently in the U.K., but um, here both Will and I kind of made the decision to pre-organize um, everything and get the schedule going. So we put out the call of presenters months in advance, and, and we you know we don't turn anybody down, but it's more of a I want to make sure that there's sessions. And um, I do have this annoying habit of being stuck on numbers. Um, so I don't know why, but I you know if, if there's 50 people there. For me, that the, it doesn't feel like a successful day um, because I feel like they don't get it. There's not enough sessions for them to kind of move around or whatever. But, um, oh gosh, what year was it? Denver, ISTE in Denver, I can't remember, uh, 15 or 16, something like that. But um, we had 500 people at, at Teach Me at ISTE, and I think it was the second year we did it. And I know I shouldn't say this, but I, to me, that that's a successful day. And um, but then last year, the ISTE, you know, they made some changes. The schedule was all weird. And instead of being on the day before the conference started, they actually put us Monday morning at 10 a.m. when the vendor hall opens and we had eight people there. And guess what? We had a phenomenal discussion. Yeah, um, yeah we actually did. And I was, to me, I was surprised. I was like, oh man, this is going to be horrible. There's no one here. You know, it's kind of a failure. But we had great conversations. Um, I so I showed some things. Um, there was an educator, Mike Morata from New Jersey, started talking about SEL and some assistive tech. Um, so the people in the audience got some of that out of it. It was it actually turned out to be a really good session. So yeah, the unconferences are are what you make of it. Um, and you know, like you said, if some if you're in a session, then it, and it's not what you need, then you get up and you walk out and you go to something that is. It's your time. It's more. You know, you need to get what you need out of it. Uh, it's it's not to be a waste of time. So, because I think too many of us have been stuck in PD, 
for an hour or four, sometimes four hours or eight hours there it's you're sitting there all day and like this has nothing to do with me i can't use this so i'm just gonna like check my email and do this you know so mm-hmm. that's why i like unconferences where you know what may you pick your own schedule you do what you want to do um we actually first started the first five years we did it we did all day and then you know as i'm sure ed camps have seen too you know by lunch everybody's like after lunch they kind of peter out so then by the afternoon you got minimal sessions so we started doing half days and actually i think that's more successful because by the end of the day that that first morning session you've got 11 i think 11 or 12 sessions to go to for a teach me because they're only 20 minutes so by then they've got everything they you know there some people are overwhelmed um so for them to just kind of digest and take it all in have some lunch and then and then off for the day, you know, especially in the summer because we're by the beach. So, uh, you know, it, it actually, I think, is has worked out much better. Yeah. And I would say for those of you that think like, gosh, what the heck are they still talking about? So, <laughs> um, we'll be putting resources in the show notes. Um, we'll be looking at, you know, you can go to the EdCamp Foundation, edcamp.org for all of the EdCamps. They're happening probably locally in your area. Teach Meets also have a national website. Plus there's stuff usually yeah. happening in your local area. And this coming ISTE, there will be a Teach Meet as well. So we'll put that information in the show notes too. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I love about unconferences is for, for me, I would always push myself to be as open as possible to things because sometimes what, as you educators and and even, you know, ed tech professionals, sometimes we go in with, I got to learn this. Yeah. I got to learn my smart boards because, you know, my district gave yeah. them to me or I'm super interested on AI. So all I'm going to do is go to AI. But by having that narrow focus, it really stops you from that beauty of serendipity of learning. And so with unconferences in particular, I wouldn't even look at the schedule and I just pop in any session. <laughs> and so being yeah. able to embrace like, whoa, I'm so glad I stopped in, but normally I wouldn't, you know? There were three ISD, maybe even four in a row where I never went to any sessions because the I found the conversations with people were more enriching than sitting in a, in a session sometimes. Um, um, going to the vendor, at least in my position, going to the vendor floor to see what's new. Um, I found several wonderful products that I have brought to both my districts just by walking around, like really taking the time because, you know, it, it can really get overwhelming when you go to that vendor hall the first time and it's the size of like a football field or an aircraft carrier. You know, it, it's huge. Um, but again, to be able to hear that, uh, talk to people directly is, is nice. Um, but really just to sit down in those blogger lounges and those newbie lounges and just kind of have those conversations. And I think, you know, even when you and I talked last year, I mean, just running into people that I haven't seen in a couple of years and, and catching up and, and, and talking about, oh, well, where are you at now with professional and, and, and see how that things have changed. And I, I, it's just such a great experience. It really is. Yeah. So beyond ed camps, unconferences, teach meets, we do have this, you know, kind of elephant in the room around professional learning, professional development, every educator, depending on what district you're in, different state, that there's different requirements around it. But within those requirements, what advice would you give educators that are trying to, you know, make it more of their own, own that journey, so then maybe they could start going to things they're excited about or curious about? How do they do that? Um, I would say pick a, almost like pick a buddy too. Um, find somebody who knows 
or has maybe gone to a lot of these conferences and experience it with somebody who's more you know apt to have gone to these things and i think you'll see that it might change uh, your perspective and i think too uh, you know with after covid uh, a lot of our pd transitioned online so i've seen a lot of these companies now instead of having webinars that are two hours or whatever it's now bite-sized pd where you can go in and learn specific details about a product or you know a program that's out there in one to two minute or five minute sessions so i think that is important too um being able to go in on your time because i think that's that's what's important now um, especially the way that the landscape has changed i think time and especially budgets now, um, you know, being able to just go online and get what you need um, and still have have that count for your PD hours, too. So great. And then for ed tech companies listening, what advice would you have for them around just like maybe how to offer professional development or how to support educators professional development or learning journey? I've gone to quite a bit, actually, more than I have in the past couple of years. But um, one thing that's very difficult is I would say offer multiple time slots because some of those are during the day, obviously, when they're teaching. And it's it's difficult. I know usually afterwards it's on demand, but I think most of them will have a Q&A session at the end where that I feel that's a pretty valuable asset. So I think having multiple time slots. I know when we do um, mo our monthly meetings for the Microsoft Innovative Educator Expert Program. There you go. Um, you know, there's always two slots. There's a morning and then there's a night because everybody's got a different schedule. We're all over the country, that kind of stuff. So I think that's beneficial because there's some times where I go to sit down at my desk and get ready to, to listen and then boom, I, you know, a, a student comes in or a teacher calls and, and then, you know, that hour's lost. So I, I'll try to do it at home or vice versa when I go to sit down at home and my kids are screaming in the background and, you know, we're trying to get dinner together. So you know, have that flexibility, I think, um, for, for everybody. And then again, I, I think those bite-sized PDs are great. I know um, Promethean, uh, we have Promethean here. So they, they do Camp Promethean uh, in the summer and they have everything laid out. and. The sessions aren't terribly long and they start from beginner to advanced so you you have that capability too um, i think those uh, differentiating your pd you know might be something that they start trying as well so differentiating by maybe like different needs around yeah. or urban yeah that kind of thing or even you know like i said just beginner advanced um, yeah. you know someone who may have had the product for six months, but just wants to get back up to speed or you know, mm. you know what's new, you know, cause you, you get newsletters, but sometimes you don't have a chance to look at those, so. Ooh, in marketing, we call those personas. So, <laughs> you know, so sometimes we think about, I was just talking with a new client and we're designing a community. And I said, let's, let's design um, a community for three different use cases. One person that wants to dive like really in and be all the things in there and learn it all and soak it all up. And we all have, we all know those educators that want to yeah. do that with certain things. But then you have the educator, well, you know, I want to do a little more than the bare minimum, but um, I want to be focused. And so it's kind of like a medium effort. And then you've got the one like, no, too busy for life. Give me the yeah. minimum I need right. to know. And if you can design PD or other things around it, even just yeah. user journeys on your website too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important because no matter where you are, you're going to get people like that. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. So 
um, differentiating your, your PD for them, I think would be huge. Okay, so we've talked about professional development, a little bit about owning your own professional development. We'll put in the show notes our talk with Lisa Schmucky, the head of EdWeb too. She talks a lot about owning your own PD and some tips and tricks around that too. Let's get into the world of gaming because you are in the esports lab right now. And let's talk about game-based learning. Um, so what, how would you define like what game-based learning is and, and what does it typically look like in the classroom? Uh, it could be anything from having a chart on the wall with points, uh, you know, or all the way to actually using video games in the classroom to me. Um, and that's, I think that's where I lean more towards because I think you're hitting the kids where they're where they're used to and, and what they're accustomed to is you know video games. I mean, I have an 11-year-old son who I can't pry away sometimes, and and I say this as a as a gamer growing up all the way through you know, back to the Atari, but. Um, you know, it, it depends on your comfort level. I know uh, when I first started talking to our esports coach, she had no familiarity with any of the games at all. And it didn't matter because she knew how to coach. And that's that was the important aspect of it. Um, the kids can, can handle the gaming part of it. So same thing with um, anybody who's out there thinking about using Minecraft in their classroom. Like, I've had some of the best experiences with a teacher at my other district who um, taught for 37 years and she never once went into Minecraft, never really knew, she knew the basics, um, but that was it. Um, and we did phenomenal projects. We did a project that took six months and she handled the part of it where they would do the research and she wouldn't even let them even touch the, the game until the research and, and or the math were all done properly on that aspect. And then she would look at it, correct it, or, or say, okay, you're good, then they would go in. So um, there is a way to incorporate that. And I think it's, uh, especially if you have kids who are quiet or not able to speak up really or present or get nervous or maybe not engaged uh, with the traditional project base like that. So if you put them in, a, in an atmosphere that they're used to um, and that they're accustomed to, you'll see them grow and, and be excited about it. I mean, we had kids that were asking to, can I skip recess? Can I stick, uh, skip lunch? Uh, can I stay after school? You know, just to get this project done. And, and they loved it. Um, so it's, it's, it's just something that I love. You know, I obviously have been a gamer since I've been growing up, uh, since I was little. So um, it's it's just a new way of, of teaching the same, you know, things that you're doing now. So it's really just how can you adapt a current lesson and put it into a video game kind of atmosphere. Mm -hmm. um, we have a... Sorry to interrupt, but I would yeah. just point out that like the, but, some of the examples you gave is the teacher's not the expert and and they have to be comfortable probably with not being an expert right. so, hey, like i think there's a fundamental assumption that you have to know the tech in and out so you can yeah. catch the kids doing things or direct their learning and i remember one of the isties there was a huge minecraft session and it was like really advanced and i, and I was like thinking in my head i'm like do you have to know like it's cool if you do and you're interested but i, I like you just prove two, two use cases that you don't really have to. No. And no. I want no. all the technology te type of teachers that are like, oh, well, I don't know chat GPT or I don't know um, this type of AI or whatever it may be. It's okay. You can co-learn, co-explore, yeah. you know? 
Yeah, and not to go off on a little tangent, but we'll go off on a little aside on that. That's now that you brought Chat GPT up. Yeah. Um, I as soon as I had learned about it and I looked at it real quick, I, you know, I emailed our teachers right away and I said, "Yeah, sure, I can block this, but they're just going to go home and use it. So let's why don't we just try to use it and embrace it? Um, it's coming. Microsoft, or yeah, I think it's Microsoft said they're already going to to integrate it into some of their tools. So, I mean, it's same thing with the calculator, you know. It, they're, oh, they're going to cheat. They're going to do their math on a calculator. Well, or the internet, you know, when that came. So it's just, it's a new tool and, and you kind of segue into it and, and how do you use it properly. But um, to get back to Minecraft. Um, oh, wait, let's stop. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I want to congratulate you on making that decision because yeah. there's a lot of districts that are scared and will say, oh, block. Yeah. You know? And it's all the same districts that blocked Facebook, that blocked YouTube that block, yeah. you know, that made cell phones illegal, like all the things that they had to eventually reverse. So we know it's coming. Let's embrace it. And I was just, I've been doing a lot of reading on it too. And uh, John Spencer just recently came out with some thoughts on his, on Facebook and probably put it on Instagram too. But he said, it's an opportunity for us to be better, obviously. Yeah. So to be able to encourage and empower the students to be even better yeah. than that, or do it to a, a completely different nature, right? So like, it's giving me a, a bland definition of X, Y, Z. Okay, what can I do that this will never do? And being able to fully like differentiate not only our learning, but as educators, our teaching. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, I said, hey, we can stick our head in the sands and pretend it doesn't exist, or we can just bring it on and, and, and learn to use it. I mean, some of the, examples that i've seen is let's say a student reads a, a portion of the world war ii history and just doesn't understand it and then goes to chat gpt to get a summary that which then helps them better understand it now it doesn't cite so you know that and then you've also got from the teacher aspect i'm pretty sure at this point of the year if if a student hands something in that is a hundred percent from chat you're going to know um, so I think there's there's that, okay, let's talk about, because that, that's exactly what I said in the email. I said, let, this is a great time to have a frank conversation about plagiarism with your students and, and kind of talk about that aspect of things and not just letting it do it for you, but using it as a tool, just like any other program. Yeah, and it reminds me a little bit too of like, this is super dating like life, but with, like when the internet rolled in, right? Yeah. I'm not yeah. that old that, you know, right. I think I was in high school when, internet became a little bit more dominant, but it was still like not, the teachers weren't scared of the X, they didn't know about it too much. Yeah. Um, but if you embrace it, it's a totally different story. And I remember when I started working at Edutopia, George Lucas would always say, you know, it's all about thinking critically. Like, mm -hmm. the, you know, the internet, you can look up anything. We're not, like if we teach you how to do that, we're wasting our time. It's all yeah. about how do we create critical thinkers around it all and make sense of this information too. And it's all, in, especially with the internet, it's, it's you could search anything, but it's how you search to get the correct results. Mm -hmm. So there's that part of it too. When you're, if you're working with an AI tool, so how are you putting in, and what are you getting out? Is it the right? Is it what you need? Is it what you want? You know. So and is it pumping out misinformation? Yeah, exactly. You know, like yeah. that's the same thing, right? Or Wikipedia, you know, like same thing. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right. I just wanted to be able to pause around chat GPT because yeah. I got a lot of questions around it. And I know that you've obviously had to face it too. But now this is somebody who's working in a district saying, hey, this is a good opportunity to have a conversation about plagiarism, to maybe explore the tool with your students. So the more that we add in punitive measures, the more they're going to use it in bad ways. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I also just want to give a shout out to my admins for for backing me up and, and not say, no, you need to block that. No, they were totally on board as well and, and saying that we need to learn this as a tool. So, yeah. OK, so segue back, yeah, back into the world of game based learning. Um, you talked a little bit about what, all the different like things it could look like um, yeah. and you can be you know, you can have expertise in gaming. You don't necessarily need to. You don't even need technology, really, to have game-based learning. Um, do you want to tell a story about, like, what got you hooked in, in the world of, like, game-based learning? Have you ever had that aha moment with a, with a kid and you're like, oh, I, I want to do more of this? <laughs> I, I mean, I was pretty far into it at this point, but one that sticks out easily in my mind um, that gave me like kind of goosebumps is uh, so when the quest, the, the well now it's called the meta quest came out, um, my admin at the time, thankfully said, you know, I said, Hey, I want to try this. Can we, can we get one? And she said, yeah. So we, we were at a pre-order one and we got it ready to release in um, my office at the time in that district sat inside the steam lab. So I was uh, talking to the steam teacher quite a bit and we would bounce ideas off each other and, and throw things around and, um, that first summer, it was the oh geez, 50th anniversary of the moon landing. So I was like, hey, this is a perfect opportunity. Let's use VR. Um, let's let's try this out. And so we he designed physical stations. So they went around. There was one station where they were like building a Lego rocket. There was one they were doing, you know, uh, worksheet or traditional worksheets. Then there was, you know, he had all these different stations and I went next door and into the computer lab and we had an open space and I was putting the kids into um, a recreation of the Apollo landing. Um, so, so they would put the headset on. And so long story short, I, there was a, a, I think she was fifth grade at the time. Um, so, but she was on the shorter side. So when you set up the headset, you know, it, it adjusts to your height. So I wasn't thinking when I set it up, I, I did it myself and then I handed it to a student. And of course she was a little shorter. So, you know, as the, you're in the lunar lander and you're landing on the moon and you kind of look to your right and Neil Armstrong's standing right next to you. And it's, it's a pretty awesome experience. And uh, so, so I said, oh, look out the window. You know, you can see the, the moon coming at you. And she goes, I don't, I don't see anything. Uh, so I said, oh, you know, so I'm trying to work with her and, and then I realized, oh, oh my God, it's stuck on my height. So I adjust it for her. And uh, so, so I couldn't figure out it, it was because it was new. I couldn't figure out how to do it on the fly and I didn't want to ruin the experience. So I just I put a box down and I had her step on the box. So she was up to my height. And as soon as she got to the correct level, she's like, oh, my God. And just like you know, that, that all like to hear from her and, and it was, so, it was a really cool experience. So, um, just to be able to kind of get that experience, but I think, uh, VR is an awesome playground, uh, for students to go into. We've had, I've worked with our art teacher where she's, she's gone in and had kids, um, you know, with uh, Google draw or yeah, Google draw, and, um, you know, paint some, some pretty beautiful murals and scenes. And you can actually, with that, you're stepping back, 
your, your drawing and then you can step back and walk around your your presentation so it's, it's different than you know coloring on a canvas or, or painting on a canvas so you can actually interact with your environment but um, that that was the, the VR one for sure was one um, and then I, I had mentioned before we did a six-month project in Minecraft and that one was uh, our school was at the time going through a referendum and we hadn't even broken ground yet and I said to the one teacher who uh, was 37 years and I said hey you know with your class do you want to do a project in Minecraft to this let's take the blueprints of what the school is going to look like and put it into Minecraft and let the kids do it she said, oh that's that's great so I got permission from the architects and you know we we got the blueprints and we had the kids so nobody in the building knew what we were doing it was just me the teacher and our, our building manager he knew um, so we had the kids take one of the wheels from like gym class that measure out. We had them on the slide walking around all of the hallways in the school to measure out exactly what the hallways were, what doorways were. Um, and, and they were learning concepts too that they weren't used to learning in sixth grade. So they were doing conversions, they were doing metric conversions, uh, they were doing a lot of different things that they don't normally cover. Um, so anyway, so when it came time to, in May, we had an all school meeting and I didn't even, my admins didn't even know what we were doing. So we said, oh, we wanna just show you this project. and. We, we, I put every put them all together and put them in, uh, recorded a video in, on YouTube, which I can link to, it's still up. Um, we took a, a walk through the entire building and, and showed everybody in the school what there's, you know, what the new school part of it was gonna look like. And so it was exciting. Um, and from a, a community standpoint, we put that video out on our Facebook. So now the taxpayers were able to see what their money was going towards and what it was going to look like. So I think that was pretty, uh, impressive too and actually the architect said that, that, that he's like that was awesome <laughs> so he's like i've never seen that done before so that's that was, fun that, that was a that was a good one um you, you mentioned it so let's go down the tech hole just really quickly um yeah. metaverse xr yeah. VR, vr um mr like what's been your experience so far now that you know you've seen it multiple angles and you get to travel nationally and talk to lots of people around it but like what are your thoughts on like it's um i don't know not viability but like w what's the future like where do, are you really excited about certain types of technology and do you think that it will be available and accessible in certain formats that it can make difference? and can it be aligned with standards you know because i haven't seen that really yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, you could definitely align it with standards. As I mentioned with yeah. the Apollo program yeah. that we did, um, yeah, there's we could easily do that. I think, good, but there's not a lot of curriculum I've seen out there. No, right? yeah, I don't think there's a, a, at least not that I'm aware of, that there's a yeah. whole curriculum based off yeah. of it. But um, yeah, I think that's it's, it's enormous um, potential. And I think, you know, the, the Quest 1 came out. Now the Quest 2 is, is very popular. Um, and it's, you know, you're starting at, I think 399 so it's it's not at, way out of the norm um, of what people are buying so I, I think it's you know it's basically just like a little bit more than a Chromebook at this point um, and you get a lot of experience I think what needs to be changed or made more accessible is the purchasing of uh, and the account management and now I'm saying that as as a tech admin but that's a little it's still very very heavily consumer based um, so I think that aspect if that ever changes and that gears a little more towards management part of it, I think it would be even more explosive than it is now. But 
some of the experiences uh, and the apps that have come out have just been phenomenal and and the learning um man i'm totally blanking on the company's name but they make um oh geez i can't remember the name but i'll we'll put it in the show notes i promise <laughs> But they make a, a full learning environment. Um, he's actually, Chris has actually come in, uh, his name's Chris Madsen. He's actually come in to my class. I put, I have them go into VR and he will stand face to face to them, you know, quote, quote unquote, face to face with his avatar and their avatar. He can actually reach out and almost shake their hand and, and the controller actually will vibrate. So it's almost like you're, you're shaking their hand and he has scanned his face. So it's really him that you're seeing, which mm-hmm. is cool too. Um, and he's done, uh, demonstrations where they're in an operating room. And so the medical students can see how things, and you know, it's, it's funny, but it's, you know, you just reach in and pull out, you know, here's a heart and then you just, you know, hold it and kind of, but from a learning perspective, I think it's phenomenal to be in that environment. And I know a lot of companies are starting to integrate it with, uh, I think I saw, um, even flight attendants now, they're putting them in VR to train and, and how to deal with that. The military has done it, although there's been a little problem lately with the HoloLens, but that's a different story. Um, people were getting sick, uh, but uh, you know, there, there is that. So uh, but from a training perspective, I mean, um, yeah, I, I know, God, I can't remember the, the product, but it, again, it was a, a visor. And if you're looking, you're walking in a warehouse and you're looking at a box just through the visor it would show the contents you know what's in it where it needs to go and all that kind of stuff so so if you have any favorite um xr type of resources we can throw yeah. them in the show notes too oh, absolutely, yeah. we'll do that and then jumping back to game-based learning if you have any favorite resources i know mm-hmm. you mentioned minecraft yeah um but any other things that people are like ah it feels foreign like maybe if you could send over or do you know of any like that are more beginner based that people could just jump in versus- yeah so there there's one uh, and this is just a real quick so there's a, a very popular game called assassin's creed and what they have done it's out for xbox playstation you know everything and on the pc side they have a, a it's kind of like an add-on it's called discovery tour so each one of those games takes place in different time periods and we're actually going to be using it probably in about two weeks um, here in the lab and they're the sixth grade is learning about ancient egypt so this uh, assassin's creed origins takes place in ancient egypt so they can go in the game and all of the story part has been ripped out all the violence and all that kind of stuff and it's really just there's a narrative and there's a tour of ancient egypt and so you can see what life was like back then um, there's there's all sorts of aspects of ancient Egypt that the kids can just go in and explore with using you know an Xbox controller or whatever they have. So things like that can really drive home whatever lesson you're 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 getting at there. Awesome. So we will throw in a bunch of tools on the show notes, um, and at the end of the episode, I'll give a, a shout out to what the actual URL is. Um, but speaking of ed tech. Kyle, I'd love to give you an opportunity just to speak to ed tech that are listening around any advice you have. Like, you know, it it could be around like if they're like trying to make their product, you know, a little bit more useful to you because you get to see so many and you actually get to implement so much ed tech. Like what is this? What are the stuff that you love? What are the things you wish they did? Or if you just have any opinions or things you want to say to them? (laughs) I think think in general, um, make sure you field test, uh, go in the classroom and, and try to see how it works. Cause I think sometimes from a marketing standpoint or from a, 
a laboratory uh, perspective, they, it, some ideas seem great, um, but until you get them in the classroom. And then also, <laughs> you know, put it in uh, as far as a field test, let the students use it because they will find ways around it. They will find ways to, you know, all, all that stuff. So um, make sure it's really heavily tested. Um, and then also allow teachers to be able to, to have that opportunity to test it for you. And, and a lot of them will be out there just ready to raise their hand and say, hey, I'd love to try something like that. Yeah, great. Well, the last kind of question for wrap up question we have is around inspiration. So you have long days in education, you have great days of like, this is why I teach days, but I'm sure you also have challenging days that you're like, can I just forget about this day? But you yeah. feel completely depleted, right? Yeah. How do you begin to recharge? Like what's your go-to way to recharge your batteries so you're ready for the next day? Um, well, one, going home and, and being with my family, um, just kind of washing away the day and, and uh, trying to forget about maybe that, that bad day when it happened and just kind of stress relieving with my, with my family. But also, I think um, professional learning committees or uh, excuse me, communities are huge. Um, I know there's been uh, so with, with my MIE program, we meet every once in a while face to face and being able to not only reconnect with people who have become friends with, but again, just being able to talk and say, you know, and hearing the new ideas and oh, that's when it's like it sparks in your mind. You're like, oh, I would, I know when I go, I'm instantly thinking of this teacher could do this, this teacher could do that, you know, or this kid, I know this student could try to just do that. So um, don't discount those face-to-face -face connections and, and then getting together again and, and learning from each other. Right. And Kyle, if people are like, wow, that guy was super inspiring. I want to talk to him more. He's talking about collaboration. Yeah. How, how do people get in touch with you? How would you like people to follow along and collaborate with you? I think Twitter. Twitter's the easiest one. It's K-C-A-L-D-E-R-W. So it's just part of my name. And we'll throw that in the show notes, too. Yeah. And that one for me, it's funny because I just thought you were the full name, Kyle. Oh. And I was like, oh, he stops at W. So it's yeah. a little cold. There's another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we'll put that all in the show notes. I want to thank you, Kyle, for your time. You're busy. You've gone through a pandemic. You've yeah. helped educators on not only in your district, but nationally. And you also, I love the work you do in your, your faculty type of adjunct type when yeah. you're working thank with you. people and getting them like excited about technology in ways that you have those cool stories to share. And you're like, hey, he's the CEO now. <laughs> This yeah. is so fun. So I thank you for your time. Everyone, if you're wondering where those show notes are that we've been mentioning, they are at leoniconsultinggroup.com. So that's L-E-O-N-I, that's my last name, leoniconsultinggroup2gs.com backslash 43. So you are lucky number 43, Kyle. Um, and beyond that, I just hope that if you are interested in game-based learning, if you're interested in just like, this is a really good time for you to think about your professional development journey. What do you want to get out of it? Do you want to include game-based learning? Are you interested in AI, chat, GPT, the metaverse? Um, be open and then think about, you know, hey, did this episode tweak a little bit of my mind shift on this? Or now do I feel like I have a little bit more of a foundation of what this is about? So maybe I'm not so scared. Um, that's what we hope to do in these podcasts. So I thank you for sharing your wisdom, Kyle. And we will see you all next time on all things marketing and education. Take care, everyone. 
Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked what you heard and want to dive deeper, you can visit leoneconsultinggroup.com backslash podcasts for all show notes, links, and freebies mentioned in each episode. And we always love friends, so please connect with us on Twitter at Leone Group. If you enjoyed today's show, go ahead and click the subscribe button to be the first one notified when our next episode is released. We'll see you next week on all things marketing and education.